talking about Daniel and how God is working in his life. He's been praying for 21 days, and as he's prayed for 21 days, he hasn't seemed to get an answer, but then God sends an angel to let him know that his prayer was heard the very first day and answered, but that that angel is in a battle with Satan to get that answer to come to pass, and that as he continues to pray, God is using spiritual warfare to overcome the devil and anything that's in his way. The third reason the angel came and ministered was that he wanted to give some understanding of what will happen, verse 14, in the latter days. For the vision talks about the future. And we need to keep this in mind all the way through as we see the next two chapters because it's all about the future, all about what's going to take place beyond today in in Daniel's time into the future and even unto the second coming of Christ. And Jesus said, when I go away, I'll send you a teacher, and that teacher will be the Holy Spirit, and he'll teach you, and he can teach us from the book of Daniel things that Daniel had no idea about, but God revealed to him to, to reveal to us, and the Holy Spirit will work to do that. Now, another spiritual conflict, I'm sorry, a spiritual insight into this passage is that it talks about spiritual conflict. There's an amazing thing that we're told in verse 13, your prayer has already been answered, I want you to know that the angel said to Daniel, I have come in response to your words, but the reason why it took me 21 days to get here is because the prince of the kingdom of Persia was misstanding me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of God's angels, came to help me. I've been in spiritual warfare for 21 days. I've been withstood. I've been held back by the prince of Persia. Now, who in the world is the prince of Persia? Well, some people say it was Cyrus, the king of Persia. Well, he couldn't hold back a mighty angel of God. There's no question that it has to be the devil himself and an evil angel who stands against God's angel. You see, God's angels are good, but the devil's angels are called demons because they aren't. No man can ever stand up to an angel. If one angel was able to slay 185,000 men in the Assyrian army that we read about in scriptures, surely no individual will be a match for one of God's holy ones. The spirit beings called demons, are mentioned often in scriptures. They're fallen angels who are under the control of Satan, and we know that they're involved in the affairs of men. In the Old and New Testament, both record this. They're called evil spirits. They're called just spirits or unclean devil or seducing spirits or spirits of devils or demons. They're intelligent spirit beings, evil and vicious, with the power to hurt us physically, mentally, and morally. The Bible has a lot to tell us about their involvement, but it doesn't fully give us the picture. It just does here, like, like, in, like here, open up a little insight into what they do, how they fight our prayers. Have you ever thought about when you pray, you pray to God the Father, you pray through Jesus the Son, you pray by the Holy Spirit, you pray for others, but you have to pray against the devil. <clears throat> you have to stand against him in the name of Christ. That's what we're learning here in this passage. In fact, the scripture says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air and that he has organized and he has great great hosts of forces that he uses to try to keep us from being effective and useful as Christians. Sometimes a demon seems to totally control someone. Adolf Hitler was one who was... who set up the Nazi empire in Germany, was controlled by demons. There's much indication he was into all kinds of material and, and things that, <clears throat> that had to do with the devil. And, but 
that's true of some people, but most people are not totally controlled, but the devil is at work through his demonic forces against all of us, especially believers. We're told in Ephesians 6.10 that we're to be strong in the Lord. And in verse 12, for our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, we're told to put on the whole armor of God. Folks, we're not fighting people. If we could ever get that through our heads, that we're not fighting people, we're fighting supernatural forces, and only in the power of Christ can we ever prevail. The word translated rulers or principles is used eight times in the scriptures, and it's talking about rulers of government, but we're talking here about Satan getting involved with people who are in power, uh, like governors and presidents and kings and dictators, and using them. And when Daniel prayed for the spiritual victory of his people, it would certainly be no surprise to us, or shouldn't, shouldn't be, that Satan and his forces would try to stop that. It was a conflict of spirits in, in the world and uh, the evil spirits of an, evil angels and God's angels. Since the evil angels cannot do good work, it's, in, it, it's certainly true that their only intended thing to do was evil. Now, Michael is an archangel. His name means who is like God. In Revelation 12, we're told that he's going to be the, to win the eventual victory over Satan, and Michael and his angels fall against the dragon. And the scripture says the dragon was Satan, the serpent, the devil, the man who deceived the whole world. And we're told there that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and so must we. So we're not battling or disorganized forces. We're battling Lucifer the cast-out angel and his fallen angels. With this in mind, we need to recognize the battle that we're in. It's, it's a spiritual battle every day. And in your mind, that battle is played out as the devil tries to control you, get you to make bad choices, sends you in the wrong direction. And every day, you just claim God's victory. You pray to, to the Father through Jesus by the Spirit and against the devil, and God will give you the victory. And it's that kind of victory that, that makes a real difference in our world and, and totally changes situations and circumstances that we're not aware of. It's interesting to me that one of the promises we're given as children of God in Romans 8.37 is, in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Then Paul said, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, now get this, angels and our principalities, these rulers, these demonic governments, these spiritual beings under the control of Satan, none of these things can separate us from the love of God. No doubt angels, principalities, and powers related to evil spirits, they can't defeat us. They can't overcome us if we trust Christ, if we depend on him. So it's important that God's at work in Daniel's life and God's answering Daniel's prayer. There's also an insight in this passage into, into the majesty of God. In these last verses, we're told that, that Daniel says he turned his face toward the, crowd and the, the ground and became speechless. Daniel literally couldn't speak. He, could, he had seen the glory of God, and his lips would not, would not move. His words would not come. And he confesses eventually, O oh Lord, as a result of the vision anguish has come over me 
and I retain no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains no strength nor breath in me. I'm so unworthy. How can you talk to someone like me? In other words, these insights, these truths that you have revealed to me are beyond my understanding. They are amazing to me, and they are something that I can't quite grasp. In conclusion, there are a lot of insights about God and his work in this passage, and so I think it's important for us to trust God and know that we are talking to a God who is bigger than the devil, and we claim authority in his name. God bless you. Have a great day.